Let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your work. We're grateful for our desire to get together and sit before it, looking for the things it will lead us to. We need guidance in our lives. We thank you for it in your son's name. Amen. Well, when you get done with uh, going through sort of inadvertently a book, and there is Second Peter there staring you in the face, you are grateful that when you looked it up, the first chapter of Second Peter you had been in just a year ago. So that sort of nixed it. So read Second Peter on your own. There's good stuff in it. So I had to, I had to come up with something. I had to, I had to think of something. So you think about, oh, what are the problems of the people in the church? We can really lean under those. Or uh, who, what have you been talking about lately? Or uh, last night Leslie and I were out on the porch before anybody showed up and we were looking. I don't want this to sound pious, okay? My wife and I were sitting on the porch of a Saturday evening looking at the scriptures. Now, that just sounds... We were looking something up that you have no business knowing what we were looking up. But it ended up, I was in Ezekiel. And so since I was in Ezekiel last night, I kind of opened to Ezekiel and... And since last week, the end of Peter had that section on shepherding, um, uh, this played into that. It, it transitioned nicely. But it didn't have the complete, um, you might say, sermon staring me in the face. I, I, I wanted to go further or, or go, go a direction that took you further in this than... than um, just this passage was going to take us. So is Ezekiel 34, the first part of Ezekiel 34, which I'm skipping over, is kind of the usual prophetic tirade against the shepherds. You get it in Zechariah, you get it here. People who are bad shepherds, hirelings, people who care for themselves, obviously it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor that's really biblical. It's an odd metaphor for us to keep using. Who's a shepherd here? I think maybe the loveless has come the closest to maybe being... You don't have... Do you have sheep? You don't have any sheep. Anybody else have sheep? Al has sheep. That, that poodle does not count as a sheep. Um, but we keep using this metaphor. I think we almost understand it because Christianity has been in it. I grew up with a stained glass window damaging me psychically in my uh, youth, a Baptist church in Annapolis, I think it was huge, and it was the good shepherd, you know, walking at you out of the scene, a lot of little puffs of white in the background, the sheep, carrying a ba lamb in its arm, you know, very tender. Hello? That was uh, Frank. Um, the um, we, we, we know what this image is. We know about the, 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 the what's that song? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
you could probably recite that, even if you didn't memorize. You could probably enough Christian osmotic stressors on something you don't even have a life regarding. You work in food service or whatever you work in. You don't work in killing and eating sheep. But we know the image. But I wanted to get to, in verse 17, this is where it begins. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, rams and he goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture? And to drink of clear water that you must foul the rest with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have fouled with your feet? Now, it's a great image. I don't know if you've been on the farm. Some of you are raised on farms. Um, it's ripe. I used to go down and look at the pigs, throw corn cobs at them. Um, they're pretty stinky. Barns have a certain rich aroma. And somebody's in there all the time making stalls look good with fresh sawdust and not piles of horse droppings. You got to work really hard because those are animals. They just do their business. And Ezekiel's using this image that there are some sheep who just don't seem to care that they walk all over the food of the other sheep. They trod down the pasture for everybody else. And then they stand in the stream, making the water muddy for all the other sheep. They drink it clear, everything's muddy for everyone else. It's a nice image. It doesn't tell you what, what's up, but it seems that there's something going on that, um, at least with Israel, we might want to transfer it to the church. Um, Something about our progress or our efforts in the church is creating a circumstance where ever seen known people leave the church? That seems to be mostly what they do. People leave the church. You grow up in the church, you finally get to a certain point, you're sick and tired of what? The hypocrisy. Or sick and tired of the power games that are going on. Or you're sick and tired of whatever. The funny way Christians dress. Somehow, we've got to sort of sort out what this problem is and look for the answer that the Ezekiel gives us and then follow the answer to where it takes us. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. So it's not only, there's a group of sheep and rams and goats and, who are high, wide, and handsome. They're walking all over the stuff. They're picking up everything that is good that they want. They don't care what it does to the rest of the flock. And they're jostling them aside to get at what they want. Push with side and shoulder. And the weak can't take it. And then you've scattered them abroad which is an image that you, you kind of don't want. You want to hold a flock together, right? You want this flock 
to be protected by the togetherness of a flock. I want to warn you, because there is a, because the nature of our Lord being our shepherd, he says, Lord God, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. I'm, I'm going to step in and start looking at this. I'll make a judgment. I will save, verse 22, I will save my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. Now this is where we get the transition. This is why I couldn't necessarily just stay in Ezekiel. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now Ezekiel, in case you're unaware of the time frame, Ezekiel is during the Babylonian exile, so the mid-500s B.C. David was 500 years before that. So guess what? He's not talking about David. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Kind of like the scattered sheep earlier, but different. You get chased out of the church by one group of misbehavior, some kind of false piety of people you know, hungrily going after what the church offers. What the church starts to offer, and, uh, uh, people grab at, muddy the water for everybody else, push people aside. The church sees all the interest in what they offer, and so they start offering more to those people. And those people get more excited about the theology classes or, or whatever else you want to get excited about in your church. Never seeing the weak that got shouldered aside. Never seeing the person who got pushed down and pushed out. So some people think that the converse must be what God wants. He doesn't want these people shoved out insecurely, scattered abroad in the wilderness. But their opposite is not some really tight loyalty and everything picked up in every thread of your life and, the, and, and everybody always checking in on you. Making sure that if you weren't there on a Sunday, and some churches will call on you. I don't know if you could take that because of who you are. But, you know, if you didn't show up for church some Sunday, the elders would visit. What's wrong? Because they, they want to be good shepherds, right? So they think the converse of being scattered abroad is being artificially, almost cult-like, held together. But actually, when, this, when the Prince David, and if you haven't picked up on it yet, this is Christ, this is the Messiah, the descendant of David. Ezekiel is prophesying what he's going to be as shepherd of the flock. And what he is going to do is he's going to bring peace and security, freedom from this nonsense, 
in such a way that you'll be able to walk securely in the wilderness. You dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I, I, I was thinking about, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I was thinking about fun and why I'm against it. Uh, but the image of a small child, say four years old, playing in its backyard, running through the sprinkler, waving his arms in the air like an idiot. And it's fun. The reason it's fun is because it's his dad bought the sprinkler and turned it on for him. And there's a fence around the yard. And there's the kitchen window and mom is up there making Kool-Aid looking out at him as he runs around like an idiot, waving his arms in the air. That's fun. Now the same sensations can be arrived at running around in the woods in a rainstorm at four years old. Remove the fence, remove the father, remove the mother, you got a pretty sad situation. Kid running around, waving his arms in the air. It's not fun anymore. Same action, the same wandering abroad for the person under the Christ, it's done securely. He didn't falsely create a security where you have the security of ever here. Churches talk about loyalty. Don't go near a church that talks to you about loyalty. If they have to talk to you about loyalty, they kind of want to walk on your food a little bit. You're going to depend on your loyalty to make you stay there. Well, you signed a covenant. They won't even call it a contract anymore. You signed a covenant. You can't leave. It's Hotel California. You don't need that sort of business. You want a Lord, you want a shepherd where you are secure wandering around eating. Where, the, where it's not really approved that the artificially pious people get to walk all over your food. That you get to get at the food. You're not artificially skinny. The fatties are out there. They're trying to grab everything up. Now, I got to this point in the passage, realizing that you can dwell securely and sleep in the woods, dwell securely in the wilderness with the shepherd David. Um, and I could just say that. I could say, well, there you go. See, we solved this problem of, of the other sheep uh, not really concerning themselves with all the sheep. But since he prophesied the Christ and said he was going to be the shepherd, of course, in your own mind right now, Matthew 25 sprang to mind. Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels, this is Christ speaking here, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them, one from another, as a shepherd, separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. So you stepped in, Christ was prophesied by Ezekiel as coming to be the shepherd who would make judgment, who would fix this mistake between sheep and sheep, sheep and goats. So when the Christ comes and he speaks to that image, that same image, Christ was never in agriculture. I don't know if you knew that. Was not ever raising sheep. As far as we know, 
carpenter family, urban probably, in retail, maybe wholesale, but he wasn't a farm boy. No offense to the farm boys. But, he's, he, but, but hundreds of years earlier, close to 600 years earlier, Ezekiel had said he was coming of the line of David and he was going to accomplish this. As a prince among us. So he's come to sit on his throne and do something with the sheep and the goats. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry and feed thee, or thirsty and give, ye, give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger and welcome thee, or naked and clothe thee? And when did we see thee sick or in prison and visit thee? So what I want you to do is take the Ezekiel prophecy and realize that the muddying of the water of, the, you might say, to feed the, those who claim Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven, whether it's Israel in moving into the church. Christ is here to settle it out. And this is the ground on which he's settling it out. You have to accept that, that if the prince is coming to make a decision, to make a judgment, to fix the problem, when the Messiah does come and says, this is how I'm going to fix the problem, and on what basis I fix the problem, we need to listen to the basis on which he fixes the problem. How he judges. And it's all this, dare I say, social action. Now, let's be honest. We're, this is Idaho. I know it's North Idaho, but it's still Idaho. I'm a conservative. So most of you, some of you might not be, might be moderates, but I generally you tend to collect in a Bible church, a believing church, conservative people who kind of don't want to have Jesus tell them it's about all this social action. Because we still we still jump directly at what we think is the answer. Just like before when the bad fellow people of God trampled down the food and muddied the water and you're kind of sick and tired of the way the church is. So you want to leave and then the people who want to fix the church try to get you to be more loyal when Christ says, no, I want you to be free so you can be scattered securely. So you can sleep in the woods secure. It's not the same answer that we would put to it. We see the verse and we see the social action and we see the Hungry, feeding the hungry and thirsty and, and, and the strangers and the naked and clothing and sick and prisoners and so forth. And what, of course, people do is, okay, well, all right, if that's what you're judging on, we're going to create the All Souls Prison Ministry and the All Souls Food Bank and the All Souls, what else can we do? Um, fire control. Uh, a second-hand clothing store because of naked. 
or nudist colony. I'm not sure which would answer that best. Homes for the homeless, yes. Yeah, sick and you visited, so we you know, visitation program for the and we can create all that and just stand back and go, ha, okay, we're ready. When the Messiah shows up, we're ready. But there's a way we have to be very very in this in this string of passages. Going back to the Ezekiel passage, you have to remember there is a batch of people inside your group who treat the pursuit of the good in such a way they shoulder people aside, hurt the weak, and muddy the food. You have to be aware. It didn't tell you exactly what that was, but there are some kinds of people that take the path to piety, whatever you think of it as. If you think it's Bible memory and Bible study, there's always somebody at the Bible study who ruins it for everybody. I won't let my gaze land on anybody. See, I just gazed evenly across. There's somebody who always shoots their mouth off. There's somebody who always got their hobby horse of whatever theology they want to get off on. There's somebody who thinks they know more than they do. Why? It's a Bible study. You'd think, well, what a safer place you could be. You could say, helping the homeless. But some of the biggest Pharisees in the world are these social action um, initiatives. Be they church or secular, it doesn't matter. So you have to, in the back of your mind, you want to say, yeah, but my Lord is coming to judge whether I, when he, because he says, the king answered them, truly I said, as you did to the did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So he says, if you help those that he's speaking of, his brethren, probably the Christians uh, in, this, in this passage, um, you did this for Jesus Christ. So we, we, we know that there's this huge judgment on it. Jesus Christ separated the sheep and the goats on the basis of this. You can't just fix it by creating a program to do it. Because the doing, the eating of God, in God's kingdom is accomplished by people doing it right, people not getting anything, people doing it wrong and ruining it for everybody else. You don't want to go after these things in such a way that will ruin it for everybody else. Now, so, what I'm saying, that's how far I got it, okay? Ezekiel prophesied the Messiah to deal with this problem of people who wandered around the kingdom muddying it up for everybody else, shoving people aside. The Messiah would take care of that. The Messiah comes, uses the same image, and says, okay, this is what I want to see people doing. Reacting in this way to these problems. And before we rush off to it, we go, okay, but there's a way at those problems that can be the muddying person, the shouldering aside person. So how do we know what we're doing? How do we, how do, we do it? Galatians 5, the next passage. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Remember, you can sleep in the woods. You can wander the wilderness securely. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, be servants of one another. What Jesus Christ was making a judgment on, the sheep of the goats, 
is because one group was servants of an, one, one of another in such a way that they weren't even aware that it was serving Christ. They were just very naturally visiting, helping, feeding, clothing. And it says that our freedom, that the, the agents who have been made secure, we are under the Messiah as our shepherd, and he is making your ethical circumstance and church circumstance secure, that you can live in such a way that what God wants out of you is created by love. Through love, be servants of one, another, one of another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So all those things that Christ is making the judgment on, he says instead of creating a program to cause people to have a clothing bin for the needy, or a soup kitchen for the hungry, the task is, is to get people loving. Because love will make them servants of one another. Now, it's one of the easiest and t most, yeah, when you say, but Lord, the Lord wants love out of us. And everybody goes, their heads go to the side a little bit. Ah. They like hearing about that because it has zero meaning. They have no idea what they just said. But it's love. And so some people are wandering romantic and some people are off. You, you have, I was in a discussion the other night. What in the world was Christian love? It's the permanent topic. I have here on the side that just like what you would do if you won the lottery, you can always bring that up and everybody will talk about it for three hours. And you can bring up how do you define Christian love? And you will talk about it for three hours. It is one of those, nobody seems to have a clue. 2,000 years later. So when I say, through love, be servants of one another, you've just, it's a, it's a big zero. You don't know what you've written on the check. You don't know what currency you use to pay for this servant of And it reiterates, the whole law is fulfilled, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you're not consumed by one another. That almost throws you back into the Ezekiel passage, right? Because if you are not operating by love, but you're still operating in the church, have you, some of you grew up in the church. Did you know any awful people? I mean, really awful? That you say, they're not going to heaven. Really, they're not going. And they're probably possibly highly placed in charge of something at your church. Did you meet people who were just hated somebody else in their church? Just hated? You said, how do you even get up in the morning? People have designed Christianity to be more like the bad shepherds of Ezekiel, where they're biting and devouring one another because they're not operating. They're not operating by love. Because love would be concerned with what you stood on. Oh, Celeste was giving an illustration of this. Somebody, kitchen proprieties of when you put the spoon back. You don't lick the spoon and stir again. Oh, what was it? The water the other night. Leslie had found a half, well not half drunk, two sips out of a water bottle. Somebody left it, so we don't know whose it was. 
So Leslie was suggesting that she would, as she collected those, she'd pour them all into a single bottle, then serve it in a pitcher to everybody. So you get the backwash of maybe 50 people. Taylor was a little flipped out by that. <laughs> but we don't, we don't want that, right? We don't even want backwash, let alone something we were standing on. What was that? You have different, a five second, 30 second, five minute rule. I don't know what you drop food on the ground. How sticky is it? What's the nature of the ground it fell on? Will you pick it up and eat it? We're very, uh, you know, in other parts of the world, I can remember years ago, I think it was National Geographic, and a very vivid um, distinction image between what you were used to as you got into your tile shower, you got into a tile shower and soap and conditioner, I don't use conditioner, but shampoo, whatever you use, rags, wash them out, rinse off, buff your body with a fuzzy towel. There was a young man in Africa washing his hair, sudged all up. He was washing it behind a cow, the cow was peeing on his head. That's how he was washing his hair. It's sterile. She said, I, don't, I can't deal with that. Well, we have, we have to find out what this love is, right? I mean, obviously, God, you're just going to be stepping over other people's food in the church if you don't figure out what love is. Because it's through love that you're servants of one another. It's your servanthood that gets judged. You can't fake the servanthood because Jesus knows the kind of servants out there who step on everybody's food. And when they step, it's because they don't love. So you need to know. Through love, be servants of one another. Dang it. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. I'm reading through this. I'm not going to comment because it's not my topic. It's got a lot of stuff in it. I'm sorry. But I've got to get to the next thing. These are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Well, that should be a, a hint there. That... That you're not set, that the church or your system or your theology shouldn't set it up as a checkbox list of things you need to accomplish so that when the Messiah comes as shepherd, he will see you visiting the sick. You're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are plain fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. Check that list, check it twice, run it through the system, see if there's any virus in you about any of it. But that is the work of the flesh. That is what you do if you do not love. These are all the things you do because you, well, you love, but you love yourself. It's not through self-love that you're servants of one another. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, 
Then it gets to what we want to push this morning, out of all the way back to Ezekiel. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. At such there is no law. Now, oddly enough, you probably have a much better definition of all the other words besides love. I know what joy is, yeah. I've been happy. Peaceful? Peace, yeah. I know what that is. I know what it's like to feel at peace. Patience? <laughs> Rarely, but I know what it is. Kindness? Yeah, treat someone kindly. Goodness? Yeah, I know good from bad. Faithful versus unfaithful? Yeah. I, I know what these things are. All of them but love. Now, interestingly, back in Corinthians 13, and we won't turn to it, he says, what is, he defines love for you. What does he say? Love is patient and kind. He told you it was the collection, or the beginning of the collection number four and five in the list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So, and I hate to ruin this for you, it's not just about whether or not you can get yourself to the place of having an enough whether you think it's an emotion or an act of the will or something about treating other people the way the Lord wants you to treat them and visit them or whatever else, I would recommend that you think about all these words that you know what they mean, get them and trust that you're a loving person because if you're patient and if you're kind, you are loving. I don't have to think of loving, I just have to figure out patience and kindness. Figure out joy. Figure out peace. Love is sort of, when it says God is love, that sort of umbrellas everything that God is and his benevolence to man. I mean, we could talk about his mercies. We could talk about his kindness. We could talk about his patience. We could talk about all those things. But God is love. And you are love. You ought to be love. And, but we run around trying to figure out what's a tidy specific definition of that which I must do in love and really you must be filled with the Holy Spirit these are the things that provide you with the inertia that you need to be loving I don't have to think did I love him was I patient with him was I self-controlled in this situation? Am I at peace? You probably could go home, get a three-ring binder and some you know, notepaper, title each one, well the first one be joy, joy. What's that? And off you go. You could be writing on your own concepts of joy, you could see what the scriptures say about joy. Peace, what's peace? You could do this. You don't have to be caught up in that endless discussion of what is love. Is it emotion? Is it will? Is it magical? It's there when you are these other things. You say, but I'm not, I'm not really patient. Then you aren't loving. Because love is patient and kind. If you're not kind and you're not patient, Shut the heck up. I don't care how tender you are. I don't care how gracious you are. How many times you give up X amount of money for somebody else or give up your seat for another person. You are not patient and you're not kind. 
you're not joyful, you're not peaceful, you're not good, you're not faithful, you're not gentle, you're not self-controlled, get on it. You know what those words mean. And if you are not, because you can say, can I just have the rules? Can't you just make me a social justice warrior and, and, and create a soup kitchen I can serve at once a week so I can write a check to my conscience that says, see, I was loving, damn it. He said, he said, damn it, in church. And which, of course, most of you are going, I, I can't go to this church anymore. But that's how we feel. We want to... We want to show a card that got punched like went to taco time enough times to get a free burrito. And Jesus just said, okay, well, looks like you did another loving thing at the soup kitchen. Wouldn't you rather have it that way if we just provided it? No, you have got to be. We, I can't create a program to make joyful believers. Peaceful believers. Can't make a, make a program. What would you do, Whitehead? Self-control program. We have a bunch of candles and you have to hold your hand over the flame. Self-control. You can learn it. If you're not going to do it this way, you're going to be in the midst of the flock of God in the kingdom of heaven, being one of those fat sheep, shouldering other people aside to prove your religion, stepping on other people's food. It's the fake religion people that are stepping on your food. It's the fake religion people who want to look like everything Jesus asks of them, but not actually be everything Jesus asks of them. They're the ones that are shouldering you aside. They can be mighty busy. I was thinking about it the other day. Have you noticed? Say you have a theology. I don't know if you have a theology. I have a theology. But say you had one. And somebody who held a different theology than yours. You met them. And you found out that there was libraries of material about their theology. Libraries. People writing books about it. And you say, but I know what's wrong. They're writing books, scholastic books, ad nauseum, about something that's wrong. Well, you could create your own world of thinking. You could create a set of principles that you call the Christian religion, and you could write interminably as if you were the, you're a scholar of error. Could happen to any theology. It's not a particular theory, But you could become a scholar of error. We could become a system, an institution that designs the faith to feature the fat sheep. Designs a, 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 a Christianity that features those who go after it more and show Jesus they're really, really into it. Not somebody who's loving and being servants of one another. Not people who are... Would you rather be in the church that was just on fire about all these things? Or in a church that was filled with joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, faithful? Self-controlled. I, I don't know. I, I'd rather be in the second. There are some people who are really A-type who want to be in action. You know, lots of ambition and force, but... God does not ask that of us. What he has done is he prophesied this needed to be judged. He had prophesied that he was going to deal with this by sending his Messiah. His Messiah shows up. He tells you what the standards are by which he is going to judge it. Another tripping spot. Another place where we can go fake it. 
And he gives us his Holy Spirit by which we love and through which all that is good in your life should be led. So you must pass through love to get to all the commands. Any righteousness you express had better be through love. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you've got to figure that out. And you begin to suspect that the rest of the fruit of the Spirit is the things I understand about love. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We were brought to life by being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what kind of righteousness the Holy Spirit is, where in love you would never be jostling someone else who needed to get at things. Never insisting in your way above another's. Because you look back at Corinthians 13, it tells you that love does not insist on its own way. Love is not jealous, not boastful. How much Christianity is jealous? How much Christianity is boastful? How, much, how come there's so much of that in the church? This is how we walk. This is what we do. It might not be as institutionally fun, organizationally exciting, but it starts with you. If it doesn't start with us, it starts with you. You either figure out, you rejoice, you have peace, you have patience, you have kindness. You figure that out because on that day, he's separating sheep from goats on the basis of each sheep and each goat's tendencies. And which are you? Not which are us, because the judgment is in us, between us. Him calling his church out and going, okay, what were you doing? Nice organization, balanced books, great soup kitchen. You're a rat bastard. Let's walk by the Spirit. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Thank you. In your Son's name, Amen.